everybody. Welcome to another episode. We sincerely apologize there wasn't one last week. <laughs> we have lives. We have lives. I'm sorry. And, and it was a <laughs> show life. Yeah, hopefully Sean is sounding better because he got a fancy microphone. And if he doesn't, we'll have to just adjust the settings, but we'll figure that out next week. <laughs> but <laughs> right. But um, yeah, we, it's been the reason, okay, the reason we were gone for like a week and a half is because I was, I moved like we heard last time. I traveled to Cincinnati Ballet, came back for less than 24 hours, and then went to Denver to teach. So I just, yeah. How are you, Sean? <laughs> I'm good. I'm fine. <laughs> good. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, not traveling like you are, but because of your cool teaching schedule, but just been busy here, been teaching okay. here, been doing AGMA contract negotiations again. Oh. So I'm a little tired, a little yeah. spent between research and those in that meeting. Didn't you tell me it was like six hours or something? I think we did eight or nine oh my the other gosh, day. Sean. We started it. Uh, it was eight hours the other day. Wow. And the other big news, <laughs> Sean texted me the other day. She had a oh. pop. <laughs> tell us that story. <laughs> Second always, time now. There's always something. So we were rearranging things, organizing, purging, moving things in and out of the house. And then, of course, it was a long day of like, a whole cleanse day of through in the house, organizing, clean, unpacking, whatever. I wanted to put some stuff in the basement. It's like 11 at night. I open up the basement door and I see two little eyes and a nose looking at me in the down corner. And as I open up the door, it slowly creeps back like, doo, 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 to hide behind. We have leaned up against the wall right there, like a picture and some other stuff to go down. Yeah. And just sneaks back and hides. And I yell and I scream the door. And Paul's like, what? Yeah, we're almost done. I'm like, there's a possum on top of the stairs in the basement. <laughs> a possum was sitting there. Oh, gosh. So, you, so you've had skunks and possums and <laughs> We've had a dead small possum in the basement once before. And we just assume somehow it got in. A little, little one crept through something that it shouldn't fit through and couldn't get out. And then found yeah. one on the basement floor a yeah. while ago like yeah. a year or two yeah this one was living oh so then we called the like the pest control rodent guy to come get it the next morning went down to the basement couldn't find it moved everything in the basement around to try and find it it is not there there are two like little small crawl space kind of like where like a serial killer would bury bodies hmm. underneath the house and he like didn't get it in there. He's like, I wasn't gonna arm you. Like it's it's probably in one of those crawl spaces or it's left. Because hmm. he's not in that basement. He did like the infrared light and everything. Hmm. Yeah. So uh we have a trap in the backyard by the deck where we think it might have entered from, but it's been empty now for two days. And the pest guy was like, You'll get this by tomorrow night. <laughs> yeah, well, no, sorry. So now I leave the basement light on. I open up the door. I'm like, okay, little possum, run away. We're coming downstairs. Like, clunk, clunk, clunk. <laughs> Paranoid because now when you go down to the basement, you can hear like the dogs on or anything above us. Yeah. And I think it's like the possum coming out to say hello as I'm oh like gosh. moving, having to now put the basement back together from the pest control guy. And we're adding more stuff down there and more bins. So I'm like, 
But he mm-hmm. said possums are docile. They don't jump at you. They also allegedly, he said, can't carry diseases. So they don't have rabies or anything. They're like, he said they're the cleanest ones. And usually he just picks them up by the back of the neck like a cat. Hmm. He's like, yeah, if you see it, just grab it. And I'm like, no. You're like, no, thanks. I'm not going to like just pick up a possum. Right? No, no. Well, that's kind of appropriate story because didn't we say this week was true crime? This yes. The true crime, re- <laughs> true crime in ballet week. We also have the stories that people have sent in. There's that one really yes. good one we were going to read. Yes, we have stories that you guys have started sending in, which we are very excited that you guys are sending in stories. That means you're listening. Yay, we have listeners. <laughs> you know, never sure. Um, no, it's super great. I, I just want to give a shout out to both the Cincinnati Ballet and the Colorado Ballet, summer intensive kids, really hard workers, especially this last week at Colorado Ballet. I had to set several rep pieces for them for their, their end of the thing showing. And I was only there a week. So I threw it at them. I, and I just, I took balancing pieces and adapted because they're like 40 kids in each level. So mm-hmm. I like adapted Western for the twos. I adapted divert for the threes and I adapted symphony and C for the fours. And they're awesome. They literally got it in like two days. So oh, good. Yeah. But I had never like staged anything before. <laughs> so I was Wait, like, really? no, no, I think I maybe staged fairy prologue once at my old school, but that was it. Like I'd never, but it was super easy because it was exact numbers of people. I never had to like, Mm -hmm. I've never had to take in a piece and like, instead of 16 people make it for 42 or whatever, I've never like staged anything before. So that was, that was fun. It was hard and you have to use your brain and cause I'm not a choreographer, but I made it work and they were awesome. No, I love staging. It's like my favorite thing to do. It, it, yeah, it's super fun. And you don't have to like choreograph. You just have to rework. But between all the traveling, you know how the flights are now. My flight to, to Cincinnati got delayed. So I was going to miss my connection. So I ended up flying through Salt Lake, spending the night in our old house. You're just having moved out of it two days prior. <laughs> I literally drove to California and two days later I was back. And then... Stayed the night in the house, got to Cincinnati, missed the first full day. My flight back to California was canceled. So I had to fly later, got here for less than 24 hours, flew to, I'm, yeah. I mean, my flight, so I flew home for Father's Day weekend Mm -hmm. to Seattle. And it was already going to be a quick trip anyways. And then I was supposed to fly out Saturday morning at like 5.30 a.m., 5.45 a.m. Mm. And then throughout Friday, I kept like any notices about delays. And I, we, ha- I, we had plans with family and friends here. And so we were like all hanging out. And I was like, okay, I just have to be in bed by like midnight or just don't sleep and wake up at th- and just go till 3 a.m. But then throughout the day, I kept on getting delayed to like 7.30. I'm like, oh, perfect, next hour, 8, p- 8 a.m. Then it was like 9, but then you're going to miss your connector. So then we're switching you to like, you still land in Chicago at 9.30 now, but now you're not flying out till 4.30. So I was like, I'm swapping out my flight. So I didn't, I was like, I'm going to wait here at home compared to an airport for seven hours. So I just, I did the same thing. I got so delayed. So I didn't fly in home until Saturday night at 10. And then I left Tuesday morning. Yeah. Just because of whatever. And the flights are so bad, right? Like it's so bad right now. The cancellations, the delays. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I don't know if this has ever happened to anybody else, but I'm a Delta girl, like 100%. I try and always fly Delta. And then this weekend, I had to fly a different airline. And I get very anxious when I have to fly a different airline. <laughs> like, Why? I don't, I'm like, I don't know how to handle this. And what do I do? And where do I go? And you see the Delta gates across the way, and you're like, Delta. I wish I was, you know, does that happen to you? Like when you have to fly a different airline? <laughs> no, I fly, because I literally, being a poor starving artist, I just fly whatever airline is the cheapest at the time. So I like bounce around whatever. But there I have a really couple, good status on Delta. That's why I fly yeah. Delta all the time. No, I, when we fly to Hawaii, I like, I grew up always being on Hawaiian Airlines. So I prefer Hawaiian Airlines to go there because hmm. they still give you a free meal. Oh, nice. But now I've had to fly like Alaska or American over. I'm like, what is this trash? Because they don't give you like a large, it's like the same three seat, three seat plane. Uh -huh. I want the big Hawaiian Airlines, like four in the middle, two yeah. on the side. And I want a free meal in the middle of the plane trip. And I want my pog juice. And so I, I understand you're like, for a certain location, I'm very, yes, very much. Yeah. And then, like, I flew Southwest, which was great this week. It was fine, but like, I don't fly Southwest all the time. So, the whole like, you don't have an assigned seat, like, throws me. I'm like, I get very, like, oh, I gotta get a seat. Is my bag gonna fit? And where do I go? And like, not having a signed seat is very strange for me. <laughs> so, I was like, very anxious. Anyway. That's how we flew up growing up with Southwest always as a family. So, mm -hmm. we had a family of five trying to fly Southwest without assigned seats. So we used like every pre-board option that we could stretch possible to mm -hmm. get all of us together. And then we got to the point that none of us kids were young enough looking to pass for that. Mm -hmm. So it would be like, I have no shame in life. And this is terrible, but this is how I roll. We would get in and we, I would be like asking people if they would swap seats with us or whatever, because it's always like two in the middle is open, but there's three kids into it. So I was like, oh, do you mind switching seats with us so I can sit beside my sister? And then I go, because I'm a diabetic, if I need my insulin shot on the plane so my sister can give it to me. You did not. Oh, with no shame. <gasps> because I'm like, let's be real. Like, they're all just picking comfortable seats. But like, we're a family of five. Like, I always give up my seat for a family. If yeah. someone is asking in front of me to change seats or their family separate, I'm like, hey, take my seat. Put me somewhere else. I understand. I, I always do it. I think mm -hmm. it's the best option. Totally. So as like a young teenager with no shame, this is what I would do. And then, and I quote, one time when I stopped doing it because of this, the lady goes, oh, it's no problem. I'm a nurse. Oh, no. And I go, oh, great. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, we should point out, Sean is not a diabetic. <laughs> no, it was a complete lie to have my sister sit with me in the plane. But it was just, oh, no problem. I'm a nurse. Oh, I stopped gosh. doing it. I was like... My luck is gone now. I wrote it out when I was younger. We're too old for this now. Oh my gosh, that's funny. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that's that's our growing up Southwest story. Uh, but you yeah, no, they were lovely. Do. They were lovely, very clean, very nice people. Um, I just, I, for whatever reason, like I don't fly Southwest all the time because I have such good status on Delta. Like I'm almost a platinum. Like, yeah. So I get upgraded all the time, you know, it's just so I try and fly Delta, but like the, the no assigned seat stressed me out. Also, is Delta a hub in Salt Lake? Is that what? Yes. See, and that makes it really convenient then. So like, what are the hubs now in California since the podcast is ahead of your YouTube and knows the situation? So like, what's the hub? 
Um, Wait, well, we is do... Delta still available there easily for Yeah, John no? Wayne. We go, we fly okay. through John Wayne or Long Beach because there's always a flight to Salt Lake on Delta from Long Beach to Salt Lake. Um, okay. So worst case scenario, like it was really easy when we were coming back and forth to visit family. But now it's like if we wanted to go back, we just take the direct from Long Beach to Salt Lake. It's kind of really easy. Or you take it to Salt Lake and then Salt Lake's the hub and you go where anywhere else. Um, I think it's Dallas. Uh, no, Dallas is American, but I think Atlanta is still a huge Delta hub. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents fly mostly Delta too, and they have to always go through Atlanta. Always. Anyway, that was my two weeks. What's the order you want to do this in? Do you want to do success or failure stories now to keep on track of the last episode? Totally. Let's okay, do that. Do you want to read it or do you want me to read it? You read it. Sean, read it. Okay. One. Everyone, I have a speech impediment. And two, I stress out sometimes when I read a lot. So here we go. But Sean, I, okay, before you read, I would never have guessed you have a speech impediment. Like I had no idea until you said that after the first episode. And I was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. I'm tongue tied. I literally had to learn how to speak incorrectly to sound correct because my tongue can't make the proper placements in my mouth to say letters and words. Hmm. So it says, hi, Sean and Catherine. I don't have a true crime story for you, unfortunately, or fortunately, but some, oh, but Sean's missed entrance story reminds me of a fail I had a couple of years ago during my senior year of college. I am not a dancer, so it's a theater story. We'll take them, same thing, rather than a ballet story. I hope that's okay. Of course it's okay. Thank you, Julia. I was in a play where I played a couple of minor characters, one that wore a wig and one that just used my regular hair. During the second half of the play, I would go on as the character in the wig, come off to take the wig off and change my costume, say a few lines from backstage, get my hair restyled, and then go out on the second as the second character for the end of the show. This was not a fast process, and I had plenty of time to get everything done before I had to go back on. That's where it gets dangerous, when you have lag time. Yep, totally. Okay, uh, not a fast process. Okay, one night I got a little too comfortable and I was talking and joking with the person doing my hair. The costume shop's always friendly and fun and that's where I get in trouble too. I feel I feel it. I didn't realize everyone had gone on stage for the final scene until I heard the cue line for my entrance on the monitor in the green room, at which point I had to run back stage in heels so it wasn't quiet run whatsoever while everyone else was just standing on stage awkwardly waiting for me to come on so we could finish the show and if oh and if the missed entrance wasn't bad enough the person who was going to guest direct the show for the next semester was in the audience that night hand on face emoji typical (gasps) that's my life yep we not talk about me and peter martins yep He still cast me in a major role for the next show, but I'm mortified when it happened. I guess the success that comes out of this is that I am doing theater and I am currently performing in my first professional role with a theater company in West Michigan. I love your podcast and hearing about your experiences of professional performers of a different kind. It's obvious you both have so much love and passion for your craft and the arts in general. And I really love that. And I really love that about both of you. Thanks, Julia. Julia, that was perfect. Perfect. That's what we wanted. Yep, exactly. It's amazing. That's yeah, totally just like getting comfy backstage and then oops. <laughs> All been there. Or when you're like not in the first act or you're like later on. So you're upstate, like not dressed yet, kind of chilling. And then you're like overture. You have to, I've done that for Nutcracker. 
so much. Mm-hmm. When I'm like, overture's happening and I'm like, I'm in party scene or something. I'm like, I'm not ready. Yep. It's like we were talking about it at Vlogmas. Like I have, when I'm sugar plum, I have my, okay, by parties or by party end of party scene the shoes are going on by the battle scene the tiara is going on you know like I have my points of reference but I remember there was one nutcracker wasn't wasn't me a couple of the boys who were in the core of Spanish they literally do core of Spanish and then they have the whole thing until finale went up to the dressing room to play halo and missed <laughs> missed the finale entrance because they were playing video games so the girls did it by themselves it was really bad it's really really bad um then there i think a couple of the spanish people went back up to the dressing room as you do like you know but got stuck in the elevator or something like the elevator got stuck there have been a couple of core spanish issues for nutcracker at city ballet yeah, I'm not. So, I feel like we had someone at PNB who was playing video games when we were doing more Spanish as well. Mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. like that happened because I think that one boy's dress that solo's dress room had a, a PlayStation in it. Yeah, but we've here we've had the elevator be stuck before, yeah. like during intermission. So someone had a phone. They called station and they're like, "Hey, we're stuck in the elevator. It's a little delayed." And they would hold it a couple minutes or something. Yeah, but there was one time at PNB I was a kid. Growing up, and we were doing Midsummer at the old opera house before they redid it for McCall Hall. And it was like a classic old opera house. Like the doors you had to like slam in the back in the dress rooms. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And one of the girls got stuck in the bathroom. Oh, no. Because there were single bathrooms across the halls from the dresser doors. And she couldn't get out before the show started and it, she was like one of the favorites so she was like the main little kid bug that like stands there b plus that starts the running for the overture mm-hmm. and i we were all like there waiting to be taken down by our runner backstage and she's like i'm in the i'm in the bathroom and i to me that to this day i, I have a fear of being stuck in the bathroom in a theater because of that oh yeah and it's all these little things that like again it's live theater the elevator breaks down like i remember after that i I thankfully I wasn't the person stuck in the elevator, but I always took the stairs. If it was during a show, I would take the stairs. I would not chance it. Um, Because that just gets really crazy. Um, So let's read one more. We'll maybe read one or two per episode. So keep them coming, you guys. Don't be shy with your stories. I feel like next week, the story should be like finding a random animal in your house or in your backyard. Yeah, totally. Paul sent me a Twitter video of these snakes in a kitchen oh, i'll have to send you the video it was like I, my worst fear possible it was right after the possum happened yeah and it was like two intertwined snakes it was just their tails like out from a cabinet and they were like intertwined, and they were like around the refrigerator and then all of a sudden they like shoot up through into the cabinet Ugh. who knows where they were going and then the person pans over to the left and it's their pet cat looking at it with the most like what the heck face possible if i saw snakes in my house i would move no that's like those people that like find them in the toilet or something growing up watching that tv show 911 when they reenacted 911 calls this one had a toddler that found a snake in the toilet and the parents thought he was just scared going to the bathroom at night when he said ah it's in the bathroom it's in the bathroom Mm. and it was someone's python got (gasps) through escaped and got through the pipes and was curled Mm. up in the i would die Mm -mm. Mm -mm. die nope 
move. Just move. I'd rather just move. I'd rather just move. (laughs) So for next week, send us your animal stories. I have an animal story too, but I want to read Teresa's. This is another fail. Way back in the early 90s, my very small regional company took Nutcracker on tour. We rolled into a small town for a double show day with local live orchestra, which, by the way, can either go really well or not well at all. Sean and I lucked out in Kansas this year. They were fabulous. Amazing. They were so good. Shout out to the Topeka Orchestra. I need to get their name correct, but they were unbelievable. Perfect tempos. Incredible. Anyway. Watched us, listened. I've never had it be, even at the company, never been that on point tempo-wise, even at the company. Agreed. Here here in Columbus, compared to, I was like, okay, this person knows how this is played. Uh, uh, 100%. Listens. 100%. Um, okay, Lever. since we were only there for one day, we didn't get to do any tech rehearsals. Just warm up, look at the wings, and do the shows. That is such a common thing, Therese. So I so know where you are. So she says, so you know the waltz of the flowers, the bit with the harp music. Well, I was standing in the wings as the first flower waiting for that music so I can lead all of, all of us on in pretty pink, pretty patterns before going to our places on the stage. And the orchestra just skipped the part with the harp, like all of it. She to me leading the flowers into a stampede on stage, desperately trying to catch up with the music. It was awful, and I don't even know what the audience thought. That's brilliant. <laughs> you can't just skip music. No. Uh-uh. That's so, oh, Therese, that's so good. Yeah, because, like, there's always, if the orchestra's off, or for us at City Ballet, there was always a trumpet player that sometimes was off. Or, yeah, it's weird tempos. I've told my Romeo and Juliet story where Faisal, our music director, played it so fast one night, and I was just like, Faisal, it was a little bright. He's like, I know I have dinner reservations <laughs> that I have to make. <laughs> like, So live orchestra can be very tricky. That was like at Phantom, we had three different direct, uh, conductors. One like was the associate movie, music uh, person. The other one was the assistant one. And then the other one was like the overall, like Andrew Lloyd Webber chosen one, yeah, kind of thing that like would jump around to do his things. Played that so slow. Oh no. Like even opening, like opening Hannibal, so Masquerade so slow. like. All I ask of you, I remember my grandkid was like, you just have to drag it out. Everything is held longer. And I was like, he is trying to push that orchestra into overtime to get that three hour. Because Phantom's already long. And we're, mm-hmm. I was like, you're trying to hit that Les Mis mark that you are always in overtime for every show. Because yeah. do you know that Les Mis has three different options? No, really? Oh, do tell. So Les Mis, I guess, well, at least it did at one point. One of our stage managers also did Les Mis at Phantom. And they said there was like option A, B, and C. So if they were on schedule, because they were like really tight to the overtime for the orchestra and, and stuff. So if they're on schedule, then they play all the music at the end, they keep going, and then the bows are all with the music, like normal. Mm-hmm. If they are pushing it a little bit, they cut like the last chunk of like instrumental stuff, and then bows are in silence, I believe. So the wow. orchestra doesn't hit overtime. Huh. And it's just like applause. And then if they're like already not done yet and they're go- then it's just like we just write it out and hope for the best and wow. then either we'll have bows without music or with music depending on how far over they are I guess the performers have to like be on top of it like what version are we doing tonight I mean it literally just comes down to I guess so I mean they either have I mean the, you'll get an announcement in the wings I would assume that says like hey we're doing 
ending be ending, you know just to know if, if there's instrumental for bows or not or how much of the ending what's the opposite of overture like the end i don't know on the on track or the the yeah yeah okay that's so, so interesting like, because lame is so long it, it's like sleeping beauty it always will it's well like it's like that cusp of mm-hmm. overtime pay and what you guys don't know, maybe if you're not in the theater world, is there is a certain cutoff time that if you go over said time, everybody gets overtime pay. Mm-hmm. And so I remember too, like some nights when we were on the edge at City Ballet, the, our conductors would purposely draw it out so everybody would get overtime. Or like you'd be hearing, speed it up, speed it up, speed it up. We're going to, you know, dependent on the budget. Um, but also that's funny because you say cut certain things out. There we also had certain ballets at City Ballet where depending on the dancers or depending on the length, they would cut things. So like um, symphony and C third movement, the whole movement repeats. So they would might like if somebody was injured or hurting, or if we were pushing overtime, they'd be like, all right, tonight we're cutting the repeat. And so it'd just be half of the movement. Things like that happen. Like we're all, we're cutting the repeat on third, everybody, you know, you're only gonna do, and which the dancers loved because third yeah. movement is so hard that they'd be like, oh, we don't have to repeat. Like, <laughs> so, but yeah, things like that happen. There's some other ballet too. I can't remember what it is. We cut the third repeat once at PB because we were down so many girls from injury mm-hmm. for like one show that they took one of the core girls, put her in the demi spot from the third, and they cut the third core couples by two. Oh, and they just yeah. Cut the repeat because they were like, we just got to, there was no rearranging option to that last minute. So it was swapped around real fast. And that, that that happens too with dancers. Like if somebody's out and there's nobody to take her spot, they'll just cut your op- cut the opposite. Like in Flowers for Nutcracker. That happened a lot. Oh, so-and-so's out. We don't have somebody to replace her tonight. We're just cutting the opposite. So they're 14 flowers instead of 16. And just leave a hole. <laughs> like yeah. just, it happens all the time. And my other good orchestra story is actually the first time I ever saw New York City Ballet when I was like nine or 10. We were in New York for Thanksgiving and we went to see it, the, the ballet and the orchestra was on strike. And so they were doing it to canned music. The first time I ever saw City Ballet, there was no orchestra. Did you really notice a huge difference watching it? Um, I remember because certain things like marzipan, like where there's you go right on the start or, mm-hmm. you know, candy cane, da, 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 da. like usually you get a downbeat. Or whatever. So it was a little bit like, and I was young, so I didn't really know, but looking back, like it was a little interesting for stops and starts because there's no signal from the conductor. Like the start of the Sugar Plum solo, you get a downbeat and you start your walks. So I can't remember who was Sugar Plum that night, but I'm sure things had to change without an orchestra. And the orchestra is also really expensive. So at City Ballet, if it's a ballet that has gone before, you do not get the orchestra until the show. Like Nutcracker, we never rehearsed with them. Um, Symphony and C, we never rehearsed with them. And like once Romeo had gone, we never rehearsed with them again because I believe it was like $35,000 every time. Even for your guys' like, do you guys at City Ballet do final dress rehearsals? We call them completes. And typically like if it's the first run of something yeah we'll do a, a dress rehearsal usually it's day of but if it's a cast change um only principals are in costume or only new people are in costume very rarely do you get a big full-blown dress rehearsal i did for things like romeo and juliet and sleeping beauty but i remember i was the only one like tyler and i were the only ones in costume 
or mm-hmm. Sha- or Sean Swazi and I were the only ones in costume. It's never a full dress unless it's the first cast. It's kind of like Broadway for like put in rehearsals. Okay, so like at PNB, we always did dress rehearsal the night before opening, and it was opening night cast. Give or take, sometimes they would swap out a principal to a newer principal if that if all the other principals had done it so many times. Mm-hmm. So like when we would do Swan Lake, they would swap out the opening night Odette and Siegfried. Mm-hmm. to a new couple to give them the full opportunity because mm-hmm. the other ones have done it a bunch of like over oh, nutcracker but we always did a full orchestra full set costume because that's what they would film and do photos oh see that never happened for us because and we're then on here we did the same thing we didn't okay. have a night for a dress rehearsal because you're on tuesday through sunday there's no i guess night. that's why then yeah because yeah. you guys don't just do like opening on Thursday or Friday night, run the weekend, Mm -hmm. have them Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off, start again the next weekend, Thursday. And you guys were swapping around so much in total, Mm -hmm. you couldn't really do dresses. So it was just Mm -mm. a a tech stage rehearsal and call it good. Call it good. And often it was day of. If you had a big part like Aurora for the Auroras, they tried to do it. My dress rehearsal was like five days before for that, which is very, very rare. But usually it was day of. Miami did what PNB does. We would literally do like Thursday night dress, open Friday with mm-hmm. with the opening cast, do the photos, do the thing. Not at City Bell. There was no time for that. You just sort of and like, we do all that right, here whatever. Too as well. Yeah. But only here, we don't, which I wish we did. We never switch out principal couples for newer ones. Mm-hmm. So here, it's the same photos of the same principal couple for Nutcracker every year. Mm. I'm like, if you already have photos of these two people, and they've done it so many times, just give them a tech rehearsal. They can wear their costumes the day before or that afternoon and put a new couple in that needs the experience of the full orchestra timing, everything, and get photos of them to promote. Yeah. Because you already have, because a lot of our pairs here and at most everywhere, pairs, you know, stay the same. Yeah. So what's the difference between a photo of these two from this year or last year Hmm. of the same ballet when you can then swap in and have someone else gain the experience before their show that's a newer couple that's true yeah you know yeah. at least for things that you guys that we've done or that people have done regularly we i remember we did that for swan lake at pmb we did it for i think for sleeping beauty as well if it was a new aurora to give her the chance to do it fully out and the other auroras had already done it yeah and we're doing that now here too we'll do two full dresses if it's a brand new version of a show that like tech and costume, you just need to see it again twice on stage fully to make sure mm. before opening. Mm-hmm. If it's like the, if, if it's a premiere, um, we did that with Don Q at PNB when we did Ralph Monsky's, but it's like one was with the orchestra and everything. And the other dress was what we called the piano dress. So the mm-hmm. piano played, and then it was whoever needed to wear costumes and do it as needed. That makes sense. Were you guys ever allowed to wear your costumes in the studio? Because we were not. No, at PNB it was a no-go. Here at Ballet Met, we do a costume run in the studios, which Miami does too. Yeah, we did it in Miami, yeah. Um, and so it's just, I think for here, it's just an, another, because we're so tight on time here with tech. Yeah, so here we do do a, a costume run. So like each cast or almost each cast gets a chance to run it at least once. I think it's also so Edward can improve things more finer details so we're mm-hmm. not wasting time in the theater that's because true because that's true yeah in the theater like not everyone gets a costume run in the theater for us mm-hmm. so it's either you wear it for a tech rehearsal and they don't they don't want that the first time that you dance in it so they can do any alterations yeah no, which, that is, makes sense. It, it, which is nice I do appreciate like a principal 
run of stuff yeah. in the theater and then yeah. in the studio first every place has their own way that does it some mm-hmm. some work better than others yeah and you were not allowed to even at city ballet um the dress there was this huge green room dressing room where all the costumes were for the night um or the principals had them in their dressing rooms you were not allowed to leave the stage level in costume you could not go to dressing room in costume you could not go up the stair you had to stay on the stage level in your costume so if you wanted to go up to the dressing room for whatever reason you had to get out of it go up come back down put it back on wait do you not dress in your dressing room nope. into your costume not for the core principals who are on the stage level like senior principals do and so I remember when I was Juliet or when I was Aurora, they gave me a senior principal dressing room for that show or like Sugar Plum, you get a senior principal dress. You get to like, I remember using like Maria and Wendy's, like they just had my costumes in their dressing room because you are not allowed to leave the stage in costume. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now, since we said we were going to do it, true crime, we have to, we have to finish with true crime. So I love true crime and this might be why, because I have so many random additional connections to true crime that they just keep on adding up and happening, and I don't know about them until they do. So I have none, by the way, so I'm going to be silent. <laughs> it's okay. And then I'm going to, there's some, I Googled, and it says, so there's like ballet true crime. There are books of true, like artistic true crime in dance world. But um, okay, so this is probably why I'm obsessed with it. One, I used to watch all the Discovery shows throughout the summer at night of the like all these serial killers like Jack the Ripper, Ted Bundy, uh-huh. the Green River Killer. I'm also from the Pacific Northwest, which is a serial killer hub. Right, it is. It totally is. So it's like, of course, you can rel- I can relate to all of them. And I would watch them like late into the night and then I couldn't sleep. So I'd have the lights on downstairs in the living room watching like the original Disney cartoons my dad would come down for his like bedtime snack and be like, John, were you watching Jack the Ripper again? I'm like, yeah. He's like, are you going to go to bed? And I'm like, no. He's like, okay. And then go back. And then I I'm up to like- I see your dad doing that, by the way. Sorry. Yeah, just so he could come down for his Oreos and milk. And then I'm like on the couch, like lights on, TV going. <laughs> but this is why. So here's the list of my true crime connections. And I want to hear everyone else's true crime connections after this. Yes, please write them in. Growing up, I knew that one of my dad's employees at work allegedly, we're going to keep this all legal, allegedly killed family members, put them in sleeping bags with <gasps> snow blocks and tied them to the sleeping bag and put them in the lake. Oh my God. I've known that story for my, almost every where I can remember. My yeah. parents swear that don't think he did it. They think allegedly he might have been deep into some drug crime mm-hmm. and it was foul play allegedly yeah but so I knew about that so I always had that random fun fact to throw out which I did as a child all the time mm-hmm. to other children to teachers to <laughs> friends parents one of my dad's employees killed his family and put him in the lake and sleeping bags and cement blocks unfazed unfazed <laughs> so then my parents had to correct me we're not sure. Allegedly. And it wasn't my dad's employee. It was a co-worker at the time because mm. my dad hadn't it wasn't pushed up yet at the time when it happened. It happened mm-hmm. like in the late 80s, early 90s. To the point then, my parents, I found out and I confirmed that during Father's Day weekend at home because my little sister had no clue about it. My parents went swimming at a drug lord's house in 
Washington without oh. knowing it. Of course they did. One of their like friends, employees, whatever, had left the company and I guess was like deep into some Coke selling or something. I don't know. So my parents, I can't remember if they were like not like just married or right before they were married. It was in that mid 80s. So it could have been either or. Mm-hmm. They go to this house that they were invited over to like come hang out. There's an indoor pool, whatever. They pull up with people holding guns, security guards. Oh my gosh. Doberman security dogs and then gunmen throughout the house. My parents are like, what is this? We should probably leave. After they swam in the pool. (laughs) Oh my gosh. When they started putting things together as they watched and then heard conversations and they were like, we need to leave now. Yeah. So there's that. Then it jumps to, I'm in seventh grade typing class, which by the way, I suck at typing because I cheated that whole, I just went home and I scanned the papers we had to type up. And I had a little cutout heading I would put on that had my name and I would change the date and the assignment on it, print out, put it in our copy machine at home in my dad's and mom's office in the garage and then just go through and then turn that in and be like, I typed it. I'm gonna sure. I didn't have time. I had other things in my life to do than type up three pages worth that it was already typed up. Stupid. My typing teacher casually whips out when we're like beginning of school, like get to know each other fun facts. Yeah. Oh, me and my sister were almost picked up by Ted Bundy. Oh my gosh. Wait, what? <laughs> yes. So of course I'm like, please explain. Yeah. As a little inquisitive. And everyone's like, huh? huh? I was like, how do you not know who Ted Bundy is? You guys are idiots. You guys say you're from Seattle. Oh my gosh. They were at the University of Washington by the lake, which everyone goes to this area. Yeah. And it was typical Ted Bundy status, fake cast. Hey, can you guys help me put my kayak on top of my van? I can't get it up because of my arm. Oh my God. They said, oh yeah, no problem. We're actually here with a bunch of guys. We'll go get them and come back. They go to get their friends they were with. They come back, the van, the, everything is gone. Gone, gone, gone. Oh my God. And they're like, oh, that's weird. And then she was like, and then his face popped up on the news later on. I was like, we talked to that guy. <gasps> oh, that's crazy. Right? That's like an I Survive story. Like they could have been the next really? victims. Yeah. Okay. The next thing was, that's allegedly my friend, went to the company, the AM, the American National Ballet Company that started in the Carolinas. Oh, that's right. That was right. Bad. With that false advertising. But went there when it was supposed to be good. It was on the right track. The whole season goes down. She survived the Hunger Game firing. She was there, lasted for the end of the season, allegedly. Was there throughout the whole messiness of the like artistic director who created it, her, and then the husband who was like the financial person and that whole separation of the those two people, the divorce. Then randomly I get a text like a couple of like years later. Look who it is. Oh my God. And it is the murder. She drove down to Florida and killed her ex-husband. That's right. That's right. That totally happened. Oh my gosh. That's and they great. did the whole like ballerina murderer, whatever. Yeah. And that was almost a ballet company. Right. It was a ballet company. My friend was employed there for months. Oh my gosh. And was there during the tumultual. And like, I have stories of like people being called in for court situations, some dancers as like character witnesses. It was a whole thing. Oh my gosh, Sean. Then (laughs) cut to- Keep going. (laughs) Then cut to, I move to Ohio for Ballet Met. And I, that's when I found out about my favorite murder and everything. Uh-huh. I was hearing stories and I was listening to one of their live episodes in Columbus, which happened 
literally right before I moved here. And so I didn't know about, I could have gone to it. And they were doing a local murder, which is a classic one that we've all heard about, like some kind of doctor death, angel of death, a doctor killing patients, different ways or whatever. Allegedly, someone I know allegedly walked in on the doc serial killer doctor here oh my gosh killing a patient shooting it into the IV and was the <gasps> person that caught him or the first person that noticed him oh my gosh but they were a nursing student so when they reported it allegedly mm-hmm. the people were like you're a nursing student you don't know anything allegedly said oh my gosh that's a young doctor we don't ruin their career and just shipped him off somewhere else <gasps> And then, wait, but then there's one more for you, too. Don't forget your Nutcracker gig. Oh, my God, yes. Okay, so that was was before the Ohio one. Then me and Megan are doing a Nutcracker gig in Manitowoc or whatever it's called. Which you said on Vlogmas and someone corrected us, but I can't remember how you say it, but go on. Because I can never say it right. But we were there. They put us up. They were the nicest guesting gigs, like what we had. It was, we were treated so well. We were given a rental car we were put up in a in a donor's house that they were gone so we had this huge house somewhere god knows where in some suburb where we were staying by ourselves yeah and then we're going like back and forth like driving the 20 minutes to the theater and back whatever very lovely small small town all of a sudden i get a text from megan have you watched making a murderer yet on netflix documentary no why we were there when that was all happening within our area of our random house we were staying in oh my gosh while it was happening yeah while the whole like show was happening of making a murderer because then they like he got arrested it came out later and that's when she was like we've been to the places that are showing we went to this cafe we had coffee here no (laughs) and so then there was that one and then i'm here and we were at uh paul's family's house for dinner and we were talking about serial killers because this large connection obviously I have with them clearly there's the connection there as well for other things his dad walks over to the counter throws gets a handful of chips with and goes oh yeah Dahmer was the roommate of my best friend in college growing up he's really weird he was always weird <laughs> so he knows him he just chips walked away and I was like hold on you interacted with him he's like yeah he was like my best buddy's roommate in college oh my really gosh. weird guy he and he, then he was like yeah his freshman year in college at osu here he'd already killed someone too so casual just cash Super i'm cash. like one i've now been around you guys for four years i've never heard this once we've only focused on another serial killer situation here i'm sorry what <laughs> so then there's that one and then there was another one that was just added and i can't remember what it was but you are like you are a true crime magnet, Sean, or just somehow like it it follows. I need to you. write into my favorite murder. You totally like, do. And I want to be like, hey, here's a choose your own adventure mini-sode hometown murder episode. Here are your options. Pick which one you want to read. <gasps> you should. You'd be like, hi, I'm a fellow podcaster. <laughs> a newly fellow podcaster. Because they pimped out me in Flesh and Bone, so I, we sh- I, we're pimping out them. It's a, it's a fair trade. I'll be like, oh, by the way, I'm in Flesh and Bone, and thank you for sending me residual checks. There you go. There you go. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's quite the lineup. So and if you guys when- have stories, tell us. 
please do. Because then I was talking to Emmy and Kaylee. I go, because um, Emmy and Kaylee are both true crime nerds. They're like, we want to hear, we can't wait to this true crime one. And I was like, yeah, we're trying to find like dance ones or theater ones or whatever. Mm -hmm. And Emmy was like, I don't really know of anyone too much other than that one Russian ballet dancer that got acid thrown in their face. That's right. It was the director of the Bolshoi, was attacked by a masked man in the parking lot of his apartment complex in Moscow. A jar of sulfuric acid was tossed in his face. The assault, it was later discovered, has been had been engineered by a disgruntled dancer in the company. Can you imagine? That's so aggressive. Isn't that terrible? I mean, that's terrible. Artistic directors do do some really terrible things to dancers. They treat people terribly. But, but that, like, no. You don't want them to make them look like Phantom of the Opera afterwards. Like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Speaking of Phantom. <laughs> right? Like, you don't, like... <sighs> okay, so at least that one has, like, they found out who did it. Yeah. But yeah. so that, like, it happens. By the way, we're not the podcast for facts. We're just taking <laughs> not as is. We're in discussion. Yeah. That's why we're in arts and not like nonfiction section mm -hmm. of podcasting. So we're not the podcast for facts, but let's talk about it. This is not true crime, but this is an accident. Did you know anybody in the Spider-Man musical when that whole thing went down? When the, the, the fly thing didn't work and he fell off the wire? I don't know if any of you heard about this, like the, the what happened, the harness failed or something? I think it was a wire snapped or one of the riggings happened. So Spider-Man was in a, a, the a Broadway show, like Sp Spider-Man Trump the Dark, which had its own history of a mess between different directors. It holds the record of being the longest show ever in previews, because I think it was in previews for at least six months or something. Wow. That's a long time, months. Yeah. It was months of previews. Maybe not six months. Like I said, not the podcast of true facts, but just ideas. Yeah. Um, I think something, it was something snapped and it was an older theater and it was a very high tech show. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the small, it was not the theater I think they originally wanted to be in. Yeah. But it's the one they could get in to start. And mm. a, I believe a rigging malfunctioned or snapped. The guy broke, I think, an arm or a bone, some ribs, whatever, because he flew into the orchestra pit or the audience. Yikes. But Ouch. he recovered and went back to the show, I believe. Oh, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right, which is amazing, by the way. Yeah, and it was just an, an accident thing. But that show was overly high tech for that theater because I have friends that were in it and they were just used to malfunctions accidents or whatever I mean I was when I was in Phantom that's when the guy got his foot smashed wait what in the trap door in Spider-Man oh the big one the big big one but because it was an older theater it didn't have the same new high build for what they were doing and it was like he was in his monster costume it was a swing. The outcome turned out to be he was, I think, half an inch or an inch off the mark of this of the door going up where he's supposed to stand. So his foot got smashed oh into the gosh. lip. I remember we sent cards. People were raising oh. money for him because, like, he was his dance career as a dancer was done. Obviously, Ugh. um, but yeah, accidents happen. Mm. When I was at Phantom, we had people ca catch on fire. Oh yeah, I bet. Like, so during uh, the wishing scene at the graveyard, we, there was one show when Christine's either her cape or the end of her dress caught on fire. Because he throws enough. the fire sparks, right? Yeah. Yes, the fireballs. But then the flames also, we had flames from the ground. Oh, that's right. Yeah, at the end. Mm -hmm. well, everything is treated anti 
flame like flame retardant so mm-hmm. a lot of it just heats up certain things though i think are more than others or maybe from age but she just was it was just smoldering like Yikes. so it was like smoking and had like a hole burnt it like when you take a cigarette and burn a hole through something mm. and then but then on tour one of the christians got really injured because that production was different but her lace i believe melted to her her arm oh or something or it got so hot, hot it melted yeah i mean things happen we have pyros so i remember at, at phantom we did switch they pulled them farther away to stand and stuff and they delayed something but yeah mm. but true crime there's also then um i want to know if this is true and if anyone knows any information please let us know we i grew up with the story you can't stand in front of the stage lights because you'll there was a ballerina that caught on fire because her tutu was in front of the light. Where was this? Did you never hear this story? I've never heard this story. Okay, so I don't know if it's true or not. I don't know if it's an urban legend or if it's like based on fact that then throughout the years it's grown up. Or, But we were taught as kids or always told as kids, don't stand in front of the light, the stage lights, because they're so hot, like they can catch on fire because we have glitter and glue and fabric and flammable fabrics and tool like things that just go up in smokes on us all the time huh i heard this growing up and it's i remember thinking don't stand for light i'm gonna catch on fire if i would see it like one of the girls tutus in front of lights i would get scared growing up so i don't know if it's right or not but so someone knows please let me know um i was also told it happened when lights were older and they weren't as protected and and like the Christmas tree lights that used to mm-hmm. catch on fire. Now they mm-hmm. don't do that if everything is working correctly. There's no exposed wires, but like the light bulbs would get too hot. Yeah. And then they would start the fire on the dead trees. I think it was like that. That makes that. sense. It makes a lot of sense, actually. So I want to know mm-hmm. if that's a real thing. Mm-hmm. Write us your stories at say hi at camandfriends.com. I will get us a Gmail for the podcast. I promise. So, yeah. So now we want stories of either random animals inside the house mm-hmm. or in the theater there was a bat in the theater here once we and had then a, oh, we, we had pigeons or something flying oh the i'm house. sure yeah yeah uh-huh. wait like in the seated area or just yeah. like in the backstage i think there was a pigeon that flew into the house oh boy we had we had little birds i think sometimes in the rafters of like the backstage area. you could hear some chirps mm. but there's a bat here at one point i believe and then there's like ballets with animals. So like there's in I think Union Jack, isn't there a dog in Union Jack or something? Or a donkey it. or something. And then and there are usually the dogs in Giselle. Yeah. That's where the term mared came from, by the way, if you guys didn't know. Old opera term because there were animals and you had to watch where he stepped. So people said mared. <laughs> so that's Don't why we say good luck. Yep. That's why we say that. This is like theater tradition. But anyway, send us your animal stories or your crew crime, crew, true crime stories. And uh, we're out of time for this one, Sean. Thanks for joining us again. We uh, once uh, once more apologize for the lack of episode. We're going to we're trying not to do that again. We should get a standing time, Sean. But I know it was just the worst week possible. Yeah. Between your teaching and traveling schedule and then my negotiations and teaching and like the house, it was just. Like I said, we have lives. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's been crazy. But and I'm not th- getting paid for this yet. <laughs> yeah. Yet. <laughs> yet. That's our goal. We'd love to get a sponsor. Right. So we want to make sure we're really doing good stuff that you guys like to listen to. So uh, keep sending in information. 
maybe this week sometime, since I have this week off, I'll post something about, hey. Yeah, I will too. Topics. I will too. I yeah. want to know about the flaming tutu, if that's a real thing in front of the lights, mm-hmm. and any other true crime stories, because I love that. Yeah. Um, also, why don't we do like a little a little pick-me-up? You have any little things that have picked you up this week that have been good? TV, oh, good experiences, yeah. a little, little um, pick-me-up? Well, for me, it was just all the kids who worked really hard this week, despite all my flight cancellations. And that's a good pick-me-up. It's a good pick-me-up. They got it so fast, particularly at Colorado Ballet Level 3. If you guys were a Level 3 at Colorado Ballet, I literally set five and a half minutes on them in two days for divert nice. and changed the whole thing, and it's super fast, and it's Mozart, and so it's just like, it's just, yeah, they got it real quick. My pick-me-up will be tomorrow. What's no tomorrow? Plans. Just no plans. Oh, no plans. Just, yeah. Just I can relax, organize the house. That's my oh, I got up. wedding shoes. That's oh, you pick. did? I did. I got wedding shoes. I have my first dress fitting this weekend. Nice. I still have to buy my ticket for you. Let's go down there. Apparently, but Southwest I, is actually cheap right now for California. Oh, really? Yeah, that's what some. Maybe it's like the seventy-five dollar yeah. ones we can grab again. I have my suit now for it, so I know what suit I'm wearing. It's light okay. gray. Perfect. Is that okay? That's perfect. Okay. Is it a tie or no tie wedding? Um, it's Southern California, so you could probably do a no tie. I think we're gonna do like dressy, casual, or cocktail. Okay. It's not black tie. Chris will be in his tux, but everybody else. My dad will be in yeah. a suit. Groomsmen are in a suit, but you got you could do like a suit with no tie. Easy. Okay. I'll see what Kaylee's wearing and then we'll I'll coordinate if I do a tie or no tie. Yay! Thanks y'all for listening and for sticking with us during our ramblings. <laughs> <laughs> we love you guys. <laughs> Bye. Bye.